Welcome back to Friday Nights at Blockbuster. I'm Kate. I'm Kieran. So this week, we'll just do a little recap of the week before we get into this week's okay, topic, Kieran. Okay, yep. So we're actually recording this episode on the Sunday that it's going to on air. On the Sunday that it's coming out. So yeah, we can actually talk about current events. So what's going on? Yeah. So today was the BAFTAs is kind of the big thing I wanted to see. What are your thoughts of the winners this week? I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. It wasn't, what, three, four weeks ago that we sat here and talked about the Irish are coming home for the Oscars. They are going to take it. And then I walk in the door and the first thing that anybody says to me is, Austin Butler won Best Actor over Colin Farrell at the BAFTAs. Like, guys, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? This can't go down like this. I'm nervous. So I... Didn't realize they were today until I got a text from our cousin asking who had all quiet on the Western front. Oh, was yeah, all <laughs> was all the question was. And I was like, oh, I think it's Kieran in the pool. I was like, why? And she's like, well, the BAFTAs just happened. And I was shocked when I started Googling and the Austin Butler was the first award that I saw. And I was just like, come on, call it. <laughs> for, for the uninitiated, we've, we've talked about it a little bit before, but like we run a fantasy movie league where you draft movies before before tiff we get so together. back in back in back september in, september like end of august early september yeah. before tiff happens we get together as a group i think there's nine or ten of us now and we have a list of 120 ish movies 130 movies that on paper look good now yeah. some of them have come out and we know that some of them are not good and those often just get scratched off the list. Some are obviously good and they stick around. And then a whole bunch of them, the majority of the movies, are things that we just have never seen. And that's why we do it before TIFF because that's one of the big festivals. All the movies are going to be there. And the buzz coming out of that festival will, you know, either... Usually influences people. It'll, it'll influence it one way or the other. You'll yeah. know if a movie is going to have legs or not. And so... That's why we drafted then, and what that means is that you are in the dark a little bit on a lot of these movies. And so the way we normally do it, a bit of a snake draft every year, so whoever finished last the previous year gets the first pick, and so on and so on and so on. The one thing that we do that we've started to do the last couple of years, uh, especially when, with with COVID and, and it was harder to track down these movies, is we have the you have to draft... A documentary and you have to draft a non-English language movie. They have to be in your draft. You have to keep them. You have to keep at least one for the whole season. You can drop the one that you draft, but you have to pick up another one later on. And so the one thing that we do is we have placeholders for the foreign language movies. Because our very first year of doing it, I think we tried to guess. We tried to guess. And, and then was, everybody had to redraw yeah, halfway everyone, through anyways. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was, it was kind of useless. So what we do is we have a placeholder that you say when it's your turn on whatever round it is, you just indicate, okay, this is where I want to draft my international foreign language movie. And so we just put that down on the thing. And in a, you know, a couple months later, once all the movies from all the countries have been selected, we come back and whoever has indicated first on the big spreadsheet that they want to draft their international movie, they get to go first and then it goes through that way. 
this year I played it pretty risky, I think, by going yeah. like pretty early and saying I wanted my international I think you said like third or fourth round. I think it's third or fourth round, like not even halfway through, I think. Yeah. I was like, I want my first one because I was going to take decision to leave. That was the movie I wanted. And I was pretty sure that it was going to be in the mix. And so I was like, this is my way. I'm going to guarantee that I get decision to leave. Fast forward two months, three months, however long it was. And all of a sudden, this little Netflix movie, All Quiet (laughs) on the Western Front, is getting some buzz. It's getting some traction. And I have to make my pick now because we're now going through and we're we're doing this part part of the game. And I have a real decision to make. Do I take decision to leave from a director who I genuinely love and have loved basically all of his movies? Or do I take this thing from Netflix that's a remake of a Best Picture winner that's in, well, I guess they're all in foreign language, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, doesn't have any stars in it, is not a big name director or anything like that. And I, I said, you know what? I'm feeling pretty confident with my other picks. I had Babylon at the time, which I thought, at the time, it still looked good, and yeah. <laughs> that didn't turn out to be the way that I wanted it to be. But yeah, I took I took All Quiet on the Western Front, and I have been laughing all the way to the top of the leaderboard since. Yeah, as of the end of the BAFTAs, are you at the top of the board now? I am at the top. I yeah? am. I am up there, number one, looking down on all of you. Oh, great! And just saying, you know, I what was I the second or third last person to? To pick this, I can't remember. But yes, I was the last you one. Were last. You were, I was you last. Were the defending champion. I was defending champion. Chris, I think, was just before me, and I think you were just before Chris. Mm. So it's very hard to repeat. It is it's the snake draft is hard to yep. do again. Yeah. So that being said, Banshees was doing really well and still a pretty solid pick, I would say. And it went in the third or fourth that's, round. That's so. the pick of the draft, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else's best movies have tended to be their first or second pick. And our cousin Clara, shout out to our cousin Clara, yeah. <laughs> from the Moana episode back on uh, New Favorite Movie. Yep. Um, Picking this one and all of us kind of just being like, round. okay. Yeah. Like. I, I think I forgot about it, to be honest. Yeah. At the time of the drafting, I think I had forgotten that it was even, that it had not been taken. And so then all of a sudden she took it and I was like, oh, shit. Like <laughs> That's gone now. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, th- I think I, I am in, I'm in first right now. There's still lots of points available. And mm-hmm. um, I should say that I do not have everything everywhere all at once either. So, you know, come Oscar night, is it going to be, Banshees is going to be everything everywhere, or is it going to be all quiet? All quiet on the western front. If any one of these movies goes on a bit of a run here, whoever has it's going to win. Yeah. What did kind of shock me looking up the winners though, everything everywhere only got one win out of its ten nominations, I think, which was a bit of a shock because we've kind of said it's it's done really well across everybody else. So I'm. Yeah. I think that there's probably a few factors going on there. One is probably that it is the BAFTAs and um, they have a bit of a history of not necessarily awarding the big like American movie. 
um, which this certainly is, and the Fablemans is as well. And the Fablemans, I don't think, won anything. I don't even know how much it was nominated for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I wasn't that surprised that Everything Everywhere didn't do that well at the BAFTAs. I don't think it matters a whole lot. Come Oscar night. For, yeah, like this, I don't think this will influence too many voters going forward um, in terms of that movie. I am a little bit worried about the Colin Farrell, Austin Butler of it all, because I think the more that people see Austin Butler win, the more they're just going to be like, okay, I guess, I guess he is the best then. And they're just going to keep voting for him. So yeah, I can't say I'm too enthused about that. One last thing about the Oscars and the BAFTAs and things. When does the voting close for the Oscars? Do you know? Um, I, like, are they still voting? Is it all done by now? I think they're still voting. I think they'll still be voting for maybe another week or so. I honestly, okay, I, so I do know they still there, have some influence. There is a date. I know that there is a date. Um, and I have seen it. Uh, I just can't remember it. Um, but yeah, like there could be some influence in terms of, you know, they see whoever on the red carpet and they're like, oh, that looks like a nice person. Like, you know, I'd like them to speak at my award show as well and so there are a couple more award shows to come um and so we'll see what sort of shakes out there i think sag is a big one um the indie spirits is there but i don't think i don't think elvis or like banshees qualify for the indie spirits i think only everything everywhere qualifies oh, okay so like that'll probably run run away with all those points um oh, sorry i'm still speaking as if as if the most important <laughs> thing is our fantasy movie league but um, I think, you know, I tend to think it probably is the most important thing. Yeah. But In our family it is. So. In our family, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so that's the end of kind of this week's wrap up for me. So let's get into this movie. So where we're are we a, going? We're, we're, in a, we're in a franchise that Kieran, at the beginning of new favorite movie, everybody, he was clear to everybody, this franchise was not going to feature. So him picking this one for this week was a bit of a shock to me this and this was i said we need to yeah we you, need to do it yeah so we, we need to do it but so we are going back to october 3rd 2008 which is the friday night that we could have gone to blockbuster and rented iron man so kiran without rolling your eyes and too many sarcasm jokes or sarcastic I, jokes i can roll my eyes all i want it's an audio <laughs> medium they don't need to know that i'm rolling my eyes give us a plot description of iron man okay iron man stars well it doesn't star but it's about tony stark billionaire playboy philanthropist uh he is a big time weapons manufacturer and he uh is captured early on in the movie by a sort of like rebel force um, in a made up country that is shockingly like the Middle East and Afghanistan. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that later, but he is captured by them and they hold him uh, a prisoner to try and make him design this new latest weapon that he is out there. That is like the ultimate killing machine. Instead he understands that if he does do that, that they will just kill him afterwards. So he decides to design and make a metal mechanic war suit. And he fights for his freedom and he gets out of this cave and back to civilization. Once he's back there, he sees the error of his ways. He understands that, you know, maybe weapons are not a very good thing. 
and maybe you know the world would be a better place with no weapons and so he decides to make one more weapon that only he will operate <laughs> in a sort of judge judy and executioner uh fashion and that is uh well it's it's untitled at the beginning but anyways he makes that little does he know that there is a sort of boardroom controversy drama brewing and his company want him out because he doesn't want to make weapons anymore and they discover what he did in this fictional middle east and his number two guy with the great name of obadiah stain like what yeah. a fucking name that is uh could only come from a comic book he makes a suit of his own which is bigger and badder than tony's suit but you know tony's our main character so of course, he very quickly loses a hand-to-hand fight. And uh, at the end of the movie, Tony Stark reveals that he is, in fact, Iron Man. And everyone goes crazy. And then we get a little teaser sting for an Avengers movie that comes out four years later. Yay! <laughs> that is Iron Man. That is... Yep, that's it. So this episode, we're talking about Iron Man with a bit of a touch on just Marvel in general. Yeah. Because it is kind of... This was the movie that started this franchise. God help us all. So. <laughs> but it's, it's also, it's the, we wanted to do this episode this week because Ant-Man, which we will talk about at the end, has has just come out in theaters. Yep. Um, and so we'll, we'll touch on that, but we, we sort of were like, well, you know. There's lots happening There's lots that. happening in the MCU right now. There's lots of talk. So let's go back and let's look at what sort of started it all and, you know see how we feel about it now 15 years and fucking 31 movies later 31 31 yeah it's outrageous <laughs> i'm not even touching on the te- television shows but they exist as well yeah so how many of the 31 have you seen Kieran? i have seen 21 of the 31 i am shocked yeah i thought it was going to be lower so what i can say is of that 21 it's mostly like the first 23 movies. Okay. In, uh, of the last, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies, there are a lot in there where I was just like, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not even, I'm so uninterested, I'm not even going to bother. So, like, that that number will probably stay at 21 for some time. <laughs> okay. I Like, I'm not going out and watching the new stuff. No? So, yeah, I think, like, the the early days... Um, like, I guess we can get into it now. Like, I have not seen Iron Man 2. I have not seen Iron Man 3. But I've pretty much seen everything else until we hit, like, Doctor Strange. And then once okay. we hit Doctor Strange, that's when it's sort of like, it got okay. too big for you? Well, or? like, I'll, yeah, like, I'll go see the Spider-Man, but I'm not going to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I'll go, you know what I mean? I'll go see... The last couple Avengers because I've seen the first couple Avengers, but I'm not going to go see Black Panther Wakanda forever. Like, okay, you started to pick and choose a little bit more. Yeah, and and even I looked into it, and like even in the last two or three years, I think I've only seen one movie since the end of the Avengers, which was the third Spider-Man. Yeah, and like I don't think I've seen any of the other ones. So yeah, I'm just like. I've, I've hit a breaking point with MCU. Before, it was sort of a, like, I'll watch it to be in the conversation. But now it's like, I don't even want to be in that conversation. So I'm just not going to watch. Okay. In contrast, I have seen all 31. I have seen the TV shows. 
I've seen the making of the TV shows on Disney. I am an MCU fan. Okay. So. (laughs) I figured as much. I figured as much. Can I ask you, first, how many do you truly love? How many of those, we can only, we'll, we'll focus on the movies. How many of the movies do you truly love? And are you, like, do you still find yourself getting excited for the new stuff coming out? Or do you feel like it's more of an obligation? Like, I've already given it this much time. I'm already sort of so invested that I just need to keep going. So the ones I truly love are probably the first ones where you get introduced to all the characters. So the first Guardians of the Galaxy I loved, the first uh, Black Panther I really enjoyed. So it's usually the first. The sequels kind of are kind of hit and miss for me, usually more a bit of a miss. Um, there are certain ones that I get really excited for. There are definitely ones that I kind of go for a bit of an obligation. So the recent Ant-Man and Wasp was a bit more of an obligation, kind of. We've done this many. I'm going to keep going. There's um, the next Guardians comes out in May. That one I'm excited for. I enjoy the Guardians mini series, mini franchise, whatever we want to, however we want to refer to it. I find them just funny. They're fun movie to watch. You kind of always leave them happy. Like you're never, most people wouldn't leave disappointed. (laughs) So... I would say the first Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. are probably the only two that I truly love and truly think of as great movies. Okay. So why, what about them though makes them great for you? Uh, because they are they are genuinely different from everything else in the MCU. I, I, one of my big criticisms is that I find that the MCU as a whole on a macro level is just like very same, same from every movie. The story beats tend to be the same. The characters are starting to become the same. All that sort of stuff. They all look the same, which is bad. But Guardians of the Galaxy 1, I wasn't a big fan of number 2, but Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and Thor Ragnarok, which is the third Thor movie, both really felt like, oh, there is, there's new air in this machine now. Like There's new life in this machine I then, unfortunately, didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or Thor Love and Thunder. And so then it was sort of like, oh, like that hope is, you know, is gone. Is gone. That, you know, there goes that dream to quote Barry Kogan from from Banshees of Inishirin. But <laughs> um, yeah, like I, th- those and like there are definitely there are movies in here and like we can sort of maybe pivot back to Iron Man here in a second. But like there are definitely movies in the MCU that I can point to and say, you know, that's a good movie. That is genuinely a good movie. And, you know, it's trying to do something maybe a little bit different. But uh, for my money, the only two movies that I would point to. And, like, I own Guardians of the Galaxy. So okay. I, I have a copy of that. And so that and Thor Ragnarok are the only two where I, I would point to and say, like, those are legitimately really, really good to great movies that, you know, anyone should and could watch. The rest of them are sort of like, oh. We're doing this again? Okay, we're doing this again. Let's let's go. For the 31st time, how are you going to tell this story any different? So what I found interesting in the past couple of years is because it's comic books, they are mainly men-focused, yep. male-focused yep. Uh, per- protagonists. Yep. Um, but in the past couple of years, we have been introduced to Black Widow, who got her own movie. Sadly, 
but after, grudgingly. Yeah, but sadly, sure. sadly, after people haven't watched it yet, spoilers, she does die yeah. in the movie. And Only then came they give, about 10 years too late, Yeah, sure. That, yeah. and then Captain Marvel, did you yeah. find them cookie cutter kind of the same? Did you find them different? Uh, well, I only watched Did you Black watch either? Widow. I only okay. watched Black Widow and mostly only because Florence Pugh is in it. Oh, okay. Um, Captain Marvel, no interest, wasn't going to watch it. And then the reviews came in and I started like, well, I'm not going to waste my time with something that I, I'm already, I'm, I've got one foot at the door already. Like this is not going to win me over. Um, so yeah, but I, but I hear you on, on a larger level, like, yes, the more cynical part of me would point to the fact that after so many years and so many movies where it's always white men protagonists, like we can, we can throw Black Panther in here as well if we want into this discussion. Um, it was more of an economic decision than an artistic one to finally have, you know, a black superhero protagonist or a woman female protagonist, or, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, I could, you can maybe point to the whole Wonder Woman thing as well. Like around this time, all of a sudden Wonder Woman also got her own movie after being sort of a sidekick in a few other movies. And yeah, I, I do, I do just feel that it was an economic decision. They just saw that, like, if we do this, you know, we're going to make, x number of dollars and it's going to be worth it so like let's just do it but yeah but but the the side argument or the other argument the of this is that like it has very real and positive effects in the fan base so i'm not going to deny that like we see it firsthand with our cousin or not our sorry not our cousins but our nieces and nephews where it's like they genuinely love mm -hmm. black panther and the Miles Morales Spider-Man. And it's sort of like, that is fantastic. I love watching Elijah and Dakota and, you know, whoever else out there yeah. is in these movies. I genuinely love, like, it, it feels great that they have these movies that they can point to and they can see themselves in and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm, I do not want to diminish that at all. But I think from a business standpoint, I don't think Marvel and Disney and dc and whoever owns dc i don't even know who owns dc at this point i don't think that they were coming at it from like a goodness of their own heart place i think they were coming at it from a business standpoint of like we're going to make a lot more money if we start opening things up um so yeah like there's there's pros and cons to to all that okay so because you have brought up dc now with wonder woman and just there I know you are a comic book fan, though. Yeah, I read. I read comic books. Would you? Do you read either DC or Marvel? Like, are you a fan of the comic books, so like the source material for these movies at all, or no? Uh, no, no. I've I've read a lot of comic books over the last couple of years. That was one of a, like a pandemic hobby that I picked up, but I tended to stay away from anything superhero. Um, Mo a because I sort of just didn't care, but also B like there's just so much there that I was sort of like overwhelmed and didn't know where to start. Um, and I I, I quite enjoy going through the story and, and and the comic books that I was grabbing and and renting from the library or buying online or whatever. Like I was buying the whole thing so that I could just read the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like I I didn't want to read one edition. 
and then be left stuck and not be able to finish that story. And so with the superhero stuff, I was like, you know what? There's just too much there. I'm not even going to really bother. There were a couple Batman uh, comic books that I did read because they were like one thing. Mm-hmm. Like there, there wasn't a run of 12 or 24 comics. They were more standalone. It was a standalone thing. And so I was like, okay, well, if I just get this one thing, that's the whole story. And uh, I'll read that. And I have said like... There's always exceptions to the rule, and the exception to my superhero movie rule is Batman. Like he, that's the only character that I've genuinely enjoyed most of the movies that they've made. And so, yeah, like I've read a couple of a couple Batman comics, but like for the most part, I stay away from superheroes. Okay, so to kind of pivot back to the movie we are supposed to be talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's finally get back into the movie now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Iron Man, did, did you enjoy any characters? Did you find, cause you actually rated it higher on Letterboxd than I was expecting. Than you were imagining? Yeah. yeah I thought this was going to be a one star, maybe one and a half. I think apparently very poorly of Kira on everybody. Oh He's my God. shocked by this. I'm looking at, like, I do have a couple MCU movies that are probably two stars, but the point is like, I've just stopped watching. Them. Yeah. So like, I don't, they don't. I don't rate them that low because I just don't watch them anymore. Yeah. So the ones that I, but the ones that I do watch is because it's sort of like, well, I do remember this being all right. And so, yeah, like the thing about Iron Man, the first Iron Man is that it's pretty good. Yeah. Like it's a pretty good start for what would follow. Um, We can point to a few things. I don't know if you want to necessarily get into it now, but like. Go for it. This Iron Man 1 and the Hulk think are the only two movies in this whole mcu that marvel made before disney bought them i think so and that's where it all goes to shit yeah like that's where it all falls down because even like the hulk is pretty bad i remember the hulk being pretty bad and i have no intention or desire to ever go back and watch it again so you and you're talking about hulk with edward with edward norton Norton. Yeah. yeah Yeah. Just so everybody's... Yeah. He quickly was replaced by Mark Ruffalo, which, yeah. you know, is probably a positive. But, like, so you start off with one pretty decent movie, in my opinion. I understand I'm probably in the majority. Most people would probably think of Iron Man as very, very good. Maybe great. Maybe masterpiece. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, one very good movie. And then the Hulk comes afterwards and it's not very good. And then Disney swoops in, buys the rights... And then I think just like very quickly, like Disney fies the whole thing. And so what really interested me watching Iron Man this time is that within the first 10 minutes of the movie, first 15 minutes of the movie, there's genuine threats of violence and death. There's actual implications of sex. There is like not very nice characters, including our protagonist, who's a bit of a shithead. And, you know what I mean? All these things where I'm like, oh, the MCU just doesn't do this anymore. No. <laughs> they don't do any of this anymore. And that's why I was like, oh, I like I didn't pay attention here. Like, what else is Iron Man going to give me that, you know, we just don't get? And I think that that's what was going on is like Iron Man comes out at a time where I, th- I Iron Man, I think, comes out a couple months before the Dark Knight, maybe a couple months after. I can't remember. But anyways, it's certainly the same year. And I think that it's clearly a reaction 
to what Christopher Nolan was doing with the Batman series where they're like, oh, we need like a people like these movies. We're going to make these movies. But they also they're for adults. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And Iron Man, despite it having some comedy and despite it not being as gritty and dark as at this stage, all the, I think we, all we had seen was Batman Begins. I don't think the Dark Knight had come out yet. But it's certainly not that far to the extreme. But it's it's absolutely not close to anything that we're getting now with a few exceptions. And so that I was just like, oh, this is interesting that this is where it all starts with the MCU. And then, you know, we go downhill. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I like I enjoyed Iron Man. I liked it. Did you have a favorite character? Um like not really, no. to be honest. Like okay. I like that's fair. Yeah, saying saying everything I just said about enjoying the movie, like I don't really like Tony Stark and he's kind as of As a character? Yeah, as a yeah. character. Okay. And I don't really like how Robert Downey Jr. plays him. I understand that that's how he's how he is in the comic books and like it's a pretty faithful telling of the character or something like that i i get that but like i i just don't really i don't enjoy the sort of like wink wink like isn't this a little a little bit silly nature of like all of the mcu comedy like all of it is kind of like haha like yeah you know what i mean and i just i don't i don't like that type of comedy i don't like that doesn't resonate with me at all um so yeah i don't really like him and like the only other character really in the movie is pepper potts like Nobody else is really a character. They're kind of just there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, yeah, I can't say I can't say that I liked any of the characters. <laughs> What's interesting is you just said talking about kind of Robert Downey Jr. and his portrayal of Tony Stark. What I had seen online is John. I'm gonna. How, how do I say his last name? The director, John, John Favreau. Favreau. Yeah. John Favreau kind of wanted Robert Downey Jr. Because of the past that he had and the fact that the Tony Stark character has this bit of a redemption story in this yep. movie. And Robert Downey Jr. was, I think, at the start of the kind of the redemption for himself. Yeah, I think like I'll have to look into it. Um, but the, there was this movie and then there was a, another movie that we we may do around Christmas time called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's the movie that yeah. he saw in, of him in it or, yeah. and yeah. enjoyed him. So. And I think, yeah, both of those movies sort of were like oh, Robert Downey Jr. is back and, like, is good. Yeah. So let's get him in all of our movies. <laughs> and, yeah, he had, like, a huge run after this. But, yeah, so I saw that. A character favorite of mine, and part of it's because we get introduced to him now, and then he's in all of the Avengers and the other Iron Mans and then actually gets made into a physical body, body is Jarvis. I think Jarvis is hilarious. He's, he's the Paul Bettany. Yeah. Okay, I love Paul Bettany. Yeah. And... Yeah, so but like Jarvis yes. is not a character. He's like, not a character he's now. Not, a char- not but in this movie anyway. No. He's not a character. So But because I know what is to come of him, it's fun to kind of remind myself that he was just a voice at the yeah. beginning of all of this. Yeah. Um so Good yeah. For him though, getting that money just for a voice role. Yeah. <laughs> Way to fucking go, Paul. Paul is literally living the dream. So yeah. <laughs> like he makes these movies a couple times a year, gets a huge paycheck, and then goes home to Jennifer Connolly. Like the guy is living the dream. So in your synopsis, you yep. talked about the Middle East and how it, you think. Yeah. Okay. What thoughts? Well, what? so like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just very clearly um, 
it was very clearly like supposed to be Afghanistan or Iraq or something like that. They don't, I don't think, do they name it as such? I can't actually remember now. I don't think so. I don't think that they name it because they, they do have a fictional country or town called Gomira. Yeah. I believe. I think that's the only place they kind of they, name. Like, they name and they yeah. flat out say this is this. And like, I, like the MCU is in our world, right? Like New York is New York. Yep. Where it's DC, New York is Metropolis or something like that. Or yep. Gotham, I don't know what it is. But so I was, I was sort of watching and I was like, oh, okay. So this is very clearly Iraq or Afghanistan or something like that. And are are they maybe making some commentary on, uh, you know, the quote unquote war on terror or something like that? You know, the whole American military and militarism. Like, I don't know if they are because like the ultimate message is like, you know, a better weapon will trump everything else. And so it's like, mm, that's a pretty ugly message. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know if we want to be putting that out in the world. Um, but um, the 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 thing that really sort of took me by surprise, and, and you've seen it, so I can ask you, is the organization that captures Tony is called the Ten Rings. Yes. And we would eventually get Shang-Chi in the Ten Rings. Yes. Is it the same organization? It, I believe it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, yeah. So you get introduced to the Ten Rings in another movie as well, which is like the fake Ten Rings. Somebody's like taken on the name and tries to be this threat of the Ten Rings, but isn't. Um, and then, yes, you are introduced to Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi? I don't don't know. know. Okay, well, we can edit this out. (laughs) Um, And so you're introduced to them later. And then that's like the true Ten Rings, um, which has the ties to the mystical arts and things. So I was just like, why do they all have to be Middle Eastern, Eastern European guys? Like, is this an international thing? Is it localized to the region? Like, what's the story behind this? Because it's very clearly Al-Qaeda in this version. In this version, yeah. And it's sort of like, eh, a little gross. But like, okay, let's go with it. So, But speaking of kind of them as the villain, we are also introduced to Obadiah. Okay, big question. Yeah. Okay, what do we got? Big question. (laughs) Like, the whole movie hinges on the fact that Obadiah wants Tony dead. Yep. And that's why the Ten Rings capture him. Yep. But Tony hasn't stopped making weapons when they capture him. So why does Obadiah want him dead? Because I think he just wants him out of the picture. He just wants to run Stark Industry. But, but why? <laughs> the guy's making bank being number two. And Tony doesn't have a conscience. I o- kind of... Obadiah's, Obadiah's plan yep. is what causes Tony to stop making weapons. Which stops Obadiah from making money. Which then makes Obadiah want to kill Tony again. Like, if he had done nothing, he'd be fine. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. I kind of thought of it as he was the number one guy after Tony Stark's parents yeah. are killed. Yeah. Um, Obadiah is in charge of the company until Stark comes of age. And then he takes over. So, like, Obadiah's paycheck going from top man to even second man would have taken a pay cut. Well, I'm sure. Sure, I guess. But like, I don't know if it's enough to warrant the fact. Like, he was probably killing it. Like, what What I will... Like, Obadiah, as with many MCU villains, is like flimsy at best. Like, 
He he's not he's not a character. He like half of the movie is about Tony making the Iron Man suit. So like Obadiah doesn't factor in really at all. He pops up every twenty minutes to be like, yeah, the board is voting you out of the company and then he, 20 minutes later he's like yeah i'm the one who told them to do it yeah and then 20 minutes later he has his own suit <laughs> and he's in hand-to-hand combat with iron man like he's not a character he doesn't really factor in at all i i will say as with paul bettany like good on jeff bridges get that fucking money dude <laughs> yeah. like will not begrudge you doing that but yeah like i don't know like obadiah stain is would you have remembered his name if if you hadn't have just watched this movie if i had just said to you who was the villain in the first Iron Man movie? Would you have remembered that it was Obadiah Stane? Uh, I probably would have gone pretty close with his first name. I wouldn't remember his last name. Um, but I could, like, describe him to you and things. What's interesting on, like, the Google cast note from is not even... He's not listed as Obadiah Stane. He is listed as Ironmonger, which is... A name that we don't hear in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> So. Nobody mentions <laughs> that name in the movie. Not one time. Yeah. So that's his. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Obadiah Stane. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like I don't know. The, the whole villain thing in the MCU that's, like, been beaten to death. Everybody knows that they have terrible villains with the exception of, like, Loki. Um, everybody else is, like, one and done. They all kind of suck. So yeah, like it was like comforting to see. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a day one problem. They they started with this yeah, and they just keep going with they've it. They've never had a good villain. So like, yeah, like, let's you know that's that's baked in at this point. So you don't even think Thanos oh, okay. was a good va- villain two, or no? Two good villains. Okay, two good villains. So what else have you? What other thoughts or questions do you have for me for Iron um, Man? Well, or like, MCU as a whole. Going to, like, just, like, the end of the movie, I think, again, as somebody who's seen them all, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. But, like, I get quite bored at the end. This is not an MCU-specific problem. This is, like, a superhero movie problem. The third act of the movie is always just, like, them punching each other. And then a, a beam of blue light gets shot into the sky. And, like... Sure enough, that's exactly how Iron Man ends. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, God!" Like, you know, and it's like, how many times do we need to do this? I don't, I don't. With all the technology and apparently all the creativity that we all have and possess, and all the money that Disney and Marvel have, like, they do this every time. I would be interested to see, or if somebody reads the comic books, like. How many times does a blue light yeah. happen in the comic books? <laughs> like, here's the thing. We don't need to be 100% faithful to the comic books all the time. It's called adaptation. We can change <laughs> things if we want. But, like, I wonder if the fight scene in the movie is similar to the fight scene in the book, like the comics, or... Well, here's the other thing about the fight scene that I didn't understand, is, like, this beam of blue light is apparently, yeah. like, very powerful and very, like, will fuck you up. Tony gets a straight shot. He's sitting on yeah. top of the reactor when it goes off. Yes. He literally is in the center of the storm. And he just like gets bounced off to the side. He's like, oh, I'm hurt. And Obadiah is like off to the side. And the thing barely touches him. And he gets fucked up and <laughs> dies instantly. And then Tony Stark is just sitting at the coffee, like at the breakfast table, eating Cheerios the next day. And you're like, what the fuck happened here? Like, it's like... 
how could this thing have killed one but not the other? And it's like, I get it. It's because he's Iron Man and he's never yeah. going to die. So until Rob Downey Jr. costs too much money, then yes. they'll kill him off. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, you know, uh, okay. Okay. That's, that's how we're ending this thing. <laughs> sure. Fantastic. I've got nothing else about Iron Man. Okay. I am curious, though, about Ant-Man Quantumania. I've only seen the trailer. You have gone and seen the movie. Yes. You've done the market research because I was certainly not going to. <laughs> Just, you know, what did you think? So, Ant-Man Quantumania is the start of phase six, I believe. Six or five? Ant-Man Quantumania is the first film in phase five. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't overwhelmed. That's not a great, that's not a great endorsement. No. So. Are you a fan of the whole Ant-Man thing anyways? So that's probably one that I go to out of obligation. I don't necessarily, I enjoy Paul Rudd. His like character, I'm not crazy about. Okay. Um. But yeah, so it's just, I think to start off a phase, they need something great. You need to be totally invested. And the start of the Infinity Saga, which was Iron Man, you're there kind of being like, oh, I want to see more of him. Like, what does Tony do next? With this one, I'm kind of like, I don't really care what Ant-Man does next. That being said, his daughter plays a bigger role in this. So Cassie. I'm interested in her, and I think that's what MCU is starting to do. They're starting to get younger characters and kind of place them into the movies so that they'll take over various roles. So we now are introduced to Cassie, who has a suit and can shrink and grow big and things like that, like her dad. Um, there's the a young girl that plays in the Hawkeye TV show. She now is the archer of the group. They're like Florence Pugh is the young Black Widow. So like they've started to kind of introduce these younger characters that are basically just playing the same characters as like the older versions of them. Just younger. But just younger. <laughs> so that, Okay, so that goes to another question that I've got. And like I don't want you to necessarily speculate too much. Like, you know, you're not in the boardroom at Disney, so you don't know the larger vision here. But... Do you think that the MCU still cares about the fans like yourself or like your loving husband, Chris, who have been watching these movies for 15 or 16 years? Or do you think that they're more interested in getting a new group of people, a new group of fans who are younger and haven't been there since day one? And that is why the, they are refreshing these characters all the time. I would probably say the second one. Um, I would say it's they're getting the newer names into the MCU so that there's a new crop of people being like, oh, Florence Pugh's in the movie now? I'm going to go see her. Oh, this person's in the movie now? I'm going to go see them. Not so much, oh, Chris Hemsworth's in it or Robert Downey Jr.'s in it or even Scarlett Johansson, which are all great, but they're kind of the people that we would have grown up with. So it was more exciting to see them at the time when I was 15 years ago. So when I was 15 or 16, even when I was in my 20s, kind of being like, oh, they're in the movie. I'm going to go check them out. 
So yeah, I would argue it's probably they're trying to get new people, knowing that the people who are invested, who go to the movies and see these movies every time that they come out, like me and Chris, probably will still go because now we've invested so much time. So, but but this is this goes to a a larger problem that I think the MCU has in general, where if they are chasing after a younger crowd of people and they're sort of disregarding the people who have been there forever and been watching everything. Like let's just go through the last couple movies here. Right. And you just give a yay or a nay. Like, did you like it or did you not like it? Okay. So in Quantumania, you're, you're a nay. Yeah. A nay. Dr. Strange, uh, two, whatever the thing of madness. Uh, yay. You're a yay on that one? Okay. Yeah. I uh, like I like Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> okay, Wakanda Forever. Yay. Um Spider-Man No Way Home. Nay. Shang-Chi Ten Rings. Yay. Yay? Yay. Uh, Eternals. Nay. Black Widow. Yay. Spider-Man Far From Home. Nay. So those those are everything up to Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So that's in the last three years, you're like pretty 50-50 split yeah. on the movies. Yeah. That's not a good sign going forward. No. <laughs> for the MCU. That like you, one of the loyal fans, because it's not only you is what I no. mean. Like, no. You know what I mean? Like this is a wider sentiment of the MCU fandom is that like things are rocky. Yeah. The, the movies are not getting as good as scores. They're not making as much money unless you are... Spider-Man, who has, you know, he's the most popular superhero probably outside of Batman. Um, you know what I mean? He's the only one. And everyone, every, all of those other movies either didn't make as much money as they expected or were met with very low scores compared to what had come before. And so, like, it's not a good sign going forward. So, you know, this this constantly chasing a younger crowd of fans instead of servicing the fans that you already have like i don't know i don't know where it ends for the mcu i i don't think that they're gonna go away tomorrow but i would say they're gonna keep making movies they're gonna keep doing it because the thing is because they can just keep adapting like comic books they have the material so they have but they need the money yeah they need the money but like what i'm saying is they don't need to come up with new and interesting ideas they just go to the next comic book in the series yep. and yep. adapt that. Yeah. So. What I will say, the, the last thing I've got here before you, you can wrap us up. Okay. Is it, it was cut off. I had all my notes on one page and this was one note <laughs> on a second page. So that's why I didn't see it until right now. Um, Werewolf by Night. Did you watch that? No. Okay. So that was like a, um, it was like a 50 minute short film, I guess, technically by marvel oh okay and it is the best thing that they have done (laughs) in in maybe 10 years like i sat and watched this thing because i i think i'd seen a trailer and then enough people that i trust posted about it or talked about it where they're like this is genuinely surprising okay and so i was like you know what i'm gonna check it out i'm gonna watch it loved it yeah loved it it was like a universal monster movie and like a film noir like a 50s film noir it was incredible and if they did more things like that, I would tune in for stuff like that. But, you know, they've got Blade coming out. They've got Fantastic Four coming out. Like, 
Jesus, we still haven't even gotten to their X-Men movies. Like, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm so tired of all these things coming out. And it's like, just tell one, and they all need to be connected. That's the thing that I'm the most tired about is that they all need to be connected in some way, shape or form. And it's like, just tell one good movie. And I think, and then back it up with another good movie. I think that's where it's hard for new people to start watching the series. It's impossible. Because it's, you can't just start with Ant-Man, Quantumania, no. really. No. You should watch X, Y, and Z beforehand. And then the fact that they do um, end credit scenes, typically one or two, that then also ties into things. And now with the TV shows, yep. they're tying into the TV shows, which is hard. The one TV show I had really wanted you to watch was the WandaVision one because they went through different eras of TVs. And I thought you would find that interesting, but you just... No. Not committed. I'm not, I'm not going to give it, <laughs> however, eight hours, ten hours, just yeah. because it's like, okay, cool, you guys did something a little different. Like, I'm I'm already out. Yeah. I'm already out. I'm not coming back in. But to, to your point there about new people really can't come in anymore. They can't, they can't start now. Yeah. You need to have... Not that you needed to have started when Iron Man came out, but you need to have started there and worked your way forward. I it it is impossible with with all of the multi-dimensional stuff that they're doing now. I think it's flat out impossible for a new person to come in and watch Ant-Man Quantumania as their as their introduction yeah. to Marvel, which there's really no other franchise I think ever that can you can truly compare to what Marvel's done and like on a macro level it is incredibly impressive yes what they have done like 31 movies and eight tv shows or something like that over 15 years is like incredible and i will not take that away from them but the whole thing about the interconnectedness and whatnot is just it's so tedious at this point i think and so the only thing that I could compare it to in my head, which is a, not a great comparison to begin with, is James Bond, where it's like, that's, you know, you've got 24 movies, I think, 25 movies, um, you know, spans, decades, all that sort of stuff. I went back and watched them all over, over quarantine. You can kind of jump in and out wherever you want. Based on what actor you like. Yeah, yeah. Like, it does not really matter. The only time that really matters is like, Quantum of Solace, which is Daniel Craig's second movie, you'd be hard-pressed to understand what's going on in that movie if you had not watched Casino Royale before it. But after those two movies, you know, you can watch yeah. Skyfall with very little understanding of what's come before it. And then the the next two, so like I think four and five for Daniel Craig. Kind of tie. Do tie in together because it's the same villain and organization. Um, so you do sort of kind of need to know what's going on. But like, for 40 years before Daniel Craig, like you could watch a Roger Moore Bond and then go watch a Sean Connery Bond and then watch a Pierce Brosnan and like it did not matter. It really did not matter. And so like the MCU is just like, it's not built like that. No. So even me and Chris, when we went to see it on Friday, which would have been opening day, which for us was very impressive. We tended not to watch them on opening day. The theater wasn't very full, which was a bit kind of a shock we were at an earlier showing but still i kind of thought it's an mcu movie an mcu movie i thought there would be 
a little bit more full. But we used to make the time on watching either all of the movies that led up to the new one, or at least the ones that were kind of recommended. And even this time, we just couldn't swing it with the new baby. And we were don't blame her. We were walking in. Don't blame her on your lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> Excuse me. We were walking in, and I was kind of just like, "She's gonna listen to this one day." Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna save all this. <laughs> we walked in, and I was kind of looking at him, and I was like, "I actually don't remember what led us to this movie." So, like, I'm kind of going in a bit, yeah, a bit blind, a bit blind, yeah. kind of trying to remember. So, speaking of James Bond, those are a lot of movies I've never seen either. So, well. <laughs> Start wherever you want to start because like they're, you know, don't start with Roger Moore. I did not like Roger Moore at all. No. No, his, his whole thing. Yeah. We don't need to get into James Bond here, but like Roger Moore, <laughs> A, he started old and then just got older and older. But okay. the, the women stayed the same age and it was like, oh. by like the fifth movie, I was already like, this is going to be troublesome. Like <laughs> he had like, I think he'd done eight movies and by the fourth movie, it was already like a 25 year age gap and you're just like, well, this is gross. This like, is getting uncomfortable. This is, this is not good. And there's like many more to go. So yeah. Yeah. His movies are, are towards the bottom of my ranking for sure. Okay. But, but anyone else? Yeah. Anyone yeah. else? Absolutely. James Bond's great. There's some great movies. So back to Marvel and Ant-Man. Yeah. Anything else? Have we made, I don't think we've made you a fan where you'll go back and watch these all in a weekend. No, 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 no. I think like if if I went over to somebody's house and they wanted to watch uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Okay, I haven't watched it. Throw it, it, on. it on. Let's see what it's all about. Let's see how they um, do the tributes to Chadwick Boseman and stuff like that. And the first Black Panther I, I did not enjoy. I didn't think it was as great as some people think it is, but I was also like, yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Um but I think for like for the most part, I'm just like so uninterested. I'm so uninterested in another Fantastic Four movie. I'm so uninterested in another Blade movie, even though it has Mahershali. Um, I love that guy. And he's one of the best actors working. But it's sort of like I just don't want. I don't want to see him in this franchise for the next ten years. Yeah. And it's like while watching Black Widow with Florence Pugh, I was like, this is kind of cool. Like Florence Pugh's in a new movie, and I can watch it. I was also like, ah, oh, like. Is this going to be the next 10 years of her life? Because that'll suck. So, you know, and not to not to step on anything for a much future episode, but like <laughs> Scarlett Johansson was one of those actors. Like when she yeah. was younger before this stuff, like she was making some interesting movies and taking some interesting roles. And then she got into the Marvel meat grinder and that was it for the next 10, 15 years. It's like, oh my God, like. Uh, I'm just not. I'm just not happy about it. I'm still down. I'm still down on this whole Austin Butler, Colin Farrell thing. Like, yeah, I think that's influenced. Oh, your... this, this this energy tonight has just been absolutely flatlined by that news. And oh, it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be an interesting podcast if he ends up like. I don't know what will be better for people to listen to. Yeah, my happiness that Colin Farrell wins, or my like utter defeat and despair if Austin Butler wins. Like I don't know what so. You know. Kieran might figure out how to go on Instagram Live or something on oh. the Yellow Door podcast Instagram that night to share his true feelings if Austin Butler wins. Can we can we say publicly right now that you're the one in charge of that Instagram <laughs> account, not me? So, like, you posting about definitely maybe 
the other day I was like, I would not have approved of this. And I now like, I think you changed the password so I can't get in. And so I was like, I don't know how to change it. So I just have to leave it be. But I was like, oh my God. You didn't enjoy that both definitely maybe and Silence of the Lambs both came out on Valentine's Day. I think that was wild to me. Whatever studio executive watched (laughs) Silence of the Lambs for the first time in some quiet room somewhere and said to themselves, you know what? That's a Valentine's Day release. Yeah. Whoever that, I want to know who made that. Let's get a 10 hour dramatic limited series on that person making that decision. Because I can only imagine everyone else in the room is like, are you fucking nuts? Yeah. But this guy was like, no, guys, it'll work. It'll work. Trust me. And it fucking worked. Yeah. Because I was scrolling through movies that came out on February 14th and rom-com, rom-com. And then that one appeared and I was just like, sure. Whatever, sure. Whatever couples went to Silence of the Lambs on their first date in what, like February fourteenth, nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two, whatever, yeah. whatever year it came out. I would love to, to see hear. where they are. They where would, are they now? Yeah, like they are probably the most healthy, adjusted, contented couples ever. Because they're like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it, we're going to Silence of the Lambs. Let's go see this thing about a serial killer who kills women and makes suits out of their skin. That's the romantic movie I want to see tonight. Like, <laughs> Sure. Oh, I would love to talk to some of those people. Oh, boy. Okay, so should we tease next week? Is next week, are we getting into the Oscar stuff next week? We are the first of our two Oscar winners. Okay, so I guess as a teaser, I'll say that it's not going to be Lord of the Rings. Yep, that's a good tease. Yeah, so make of that what you will. We're not talking about Lord of the Rings next week. If, if you want to listen to that, that's already up and up and available. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're doing a couple best picture winners over the next couple weeks. Yeah, we picked kind of two. We picked two that are sort of you know very different ends of the spectrum um, in the lead up to this year's Oscar ceremony. So. Um, next week was your pick, I think really like you kind of were like, I would, I think we need to talk about this movie. Yeah. Cause and it was one that I have memories watching yeah. in the two thousands. Yeah. There wasn't a lot that I remember watching, but that was definitely one. Yeah. So, so you, you kind of, and I, I was like, yeah, okay. Like yeah. definitely let's do that one. And then, you know, just to tease the week after, like it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> very different. So that's the next two episodes, two best picture winners. Let's see if anyone can guess them. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Engage with Kate on social media. Yeah, please. (laughs) She has nothing else to do except hang out with a baby. So that's all for us tonight on Friday Nights at Blockbuster. We'll see you guys next week. See you then.